Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly, and uh, we are screening Lady Hyde here in Sacramento on July 21st and Encore screening July 24th, and then after those two screenings are over... Uh, it's going to hopefully play locally, maybe somewhere around here, or definitely going to uh, look to take it on the road, maybe play it somewhere down in Southern California, or uh, enter an M film festival somewhere, or figure out some things to do with it before sending it onto digital streaming services and Blu-ray release. So, looking forward to that, and then going to... Uh, Release before the end of the year, Emmanuel in Sin City. Uh, another feature film that would be, uh, I believe, film 15 by Desperate Visions. Um, and um, yeah, so that'll come out and uh, the same path play. Uh, oh, yeah, also, too, it is playing at the Dreamland Cinema here in Sacramento, California. And uh, yeah, by the time you hear this, it should be just about screening time, I believe. This is going to fall like right in the eye of the hurricane so yeah that's looking good tickets went on sale today when i recorded this and uh, they're already selling so nothing more i can ask for but here we are down the road many times on now we are on episode 98 film number 98 still in sync and this film is called devil hunter as the English language DVD and Blu-ray title. Well, it's interesting, yeah, so it's filmed for that. And we are in the year of 1980, so it's a Spain, West Germany, France, and in parentheses, Italy, 1980. Original theatrical title in countries of origin, El Cannibal, Spanish theatrical title. The West German didn't call it Devil Hunter, they called it Virgin Among Cannibals. So you have Virgin Among the Living Dead, and now Virgin Among Cannibals. I wonder if this is their fake sequel. But yeah, the Germans, they called it Virgin Among Cannibals. And it's a Jungfrau unter Cannibalin. Then the French version is Eaters of Women. That's nice. I like that. Uh, <laughs> that's a Mengoise de Femmes. Hmm. I actually like that title. Maybe I might use that for another film. That tickled tickled my uh, my wicked bone there. Uh, let's see. Alternative title. Uh, Sexo Cannibal. Spanish alternative theatrical. SMC listing. That's uh, Sex Cannibal. Sexo Cannibal. Sex Cannibal. And then the Italian theatrical is The Manhunter. Not The Devil Hunter, but The Manhunter. It's funny, too, because that's like uh, Manhunter by Michael Mann. That came a few years later. But yeah, interesting. So, the Manhunter. Uh, Il Cacciatore di Uomini. Uomini. Cacciatore. That's interesting. All right. So, French video is Hunters of Men. Guys, that's a lot of titles. The Manhunter. Now, this is Hunters of Men for France. Uh, Chasseurs de Homes. And then the French video Hellhunter. Chasseurs Infer. Uh, UK video is The Devil Hunter. And uh, then we have The Man Hunter, US video title. Um, 
then Manhunter, just one word, interesting, U.S. video cover. That's cool before the movie, so fuck Michael Mann. No, I actually like Michael Mann a lot, but that's funny. So Franco had a film called Manhunter before uh, Michael Mann. That's awesome. And also, too, as you'll hear later, he swears that uh, Predator stole from this film. So, But yeah, so Predator and Manhunter stole from Devil Hunter. Awesome. I have yet to see this film, to be totally honest with you. Um, I've had this film. Um, I'll get back to the titles in a second. I've had this film for a long time. Um, I've had different copies of this film on like video. I think first as like because this was in like public domain for a long time, and I had it as part of this like uh, it's like a double feature DVD set they put out like Tales of Terror or something. It was a lot of uh, Hong Kong and. Um, uh, Indonesian and other just and an American like uh, either public domain or mysterious rights films that were kind of nobody knew what and Devil Hunter was on there and it was called something else I think it was the Manhunter actually or some actually might have called it or they called it something else they called it like uh, either the Devil Hunter or Manhunter or the men hunter it was one of those, it was something odd but yeah so interesting but anyway so yeah so i've yet to watch that i'm actually looking forward to watching this so uh anyway back to titles manhunter u.s video cover uh swe video that would be i guess swedish sweden video um hunt for the kidnappers jaktan pa kidnapparna uh then we have the brazilian video manhunter o sequestro uh, the Cannibal pre-release promotional artwork, The Men Hunter, uh, River Savage, Wild River. Uh, shooting title was called um, Rio, which I always like to think because the shooting title is usually what they is like the original concept, and I always like that because mine is like uh, Night of the Shooting Stars is Virgin Among Living Dead, and that's my favorite one. Um, but yeah, there's always the shooting title is usually better. Like also too for She Killed in Ecstasy was. Uh, Lady Hyde, and I used Lady Hyde for my film because he didn't use it, so, yeah. But, yeah, so, interesting. I like that. Uh, a lot of good titles here. Uh, so, yeah, um, shooting title was Rio Salvea, Kidnapping Now, and then the Rio Sage, Spanish production title. Note, the last two titles are probably just misspellings of Rio Salvaje, S-A-L-V-A-J-E. Uh, unconfirmed titles, Mandingo Manhunter and Hellhunter. Yeah, I think it was Hellhunter might be the one that mine's listed under. Like Hellhole or Hell... I think Hellhunter is the right one. Uh, production companies, J.E. Films. That sounds like Jess Franco. Uh, that's out of Madrid. Lisa Films out of Munich. And, of course, the mighty and beautiful Eurocene out of Paris. Paris. Eurocene out of Paris. Uh, theatrical distributors... Residence Film out of West Germany, Avia Films out of France, and Filmin out of Italy. All right, timeline. Shooting announced on this was uh, back in November of 1979. And then, of course, about six, seven months go by, and the actual shooting date comes to be June 16th through July 19th, so just over a month of the year 1980. So, yeah, the this time of year, actually, this is cool. Uh, actually, I should look at the date when I'm f- recording this. Actually, this is about the same time that uh, they they filmed this back in 1980. I'm recording this episode, so that's cool. So yeah, June 16th to July 19th, 1980, definitely in that ballpark. Um, 
Okay, deposit a legal number, uh, November 22nd of 1980, and it, the German certificate was issued December 3rd, 1980. See, with all the gore, there's all these certificates. Germany finally played December 5th, 1980. Alleged Spanish release uh, was June 3rd, 1981, about six months later. And then uh, about uh, five months later, it played Italy. Um November of 1981. Then the UK video release before it even played theaters was November 81. Then Lease, Italy, it played April 13th, 82. Rome, June 24th, 82. Fagia, Italy, July 16th, 82. And Bielbin, Switzerland, March 16th of 1983. Uh, theatrical running times, Germany, 80 minutes, 11 seconds. And Spain, uh, and height and starred here, 83 minutes. It says, although a poster indicates the French distributor via films was preparing to release the film, there appears to have been no French theatrical release. The catalog, Catalogo de Cine Espanol, shows a Spanish release under the title Sexo Cannibal, but I've never been unable, but I've never been unable to find evidence she should, should say but I've never but I or I'm sorry but I've been unable to find evidence of it in Spanish press archives okay um yeah so already uh v video DVD Blu-ray running times converted when necessary US Severn Blu-ray which I have the US Severn DVD I'm watching same copy uh, 102 minutes uh, 5 seconds I look at the package here 102 minutes yep alright uh the German X T video PAL DVD under Young Frauen Unter Cannibalin, 102 minutes 32 seconds. The Italian Cine Hollywood PAL VHS under Il Cacciatore di Uno Mem Mini, Il Cacciatore di Uno Mini, uh, 94 minutes 42 seconds. And UK Cine Hollywood PAL VHS under The Devil Hunter, 88 minutes 56 seconds. Before I go any further, of course, all information that I'm reading from, like we do all week, all shows, is from the this era of Jess Franco is uh, Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. And of course, these books have so much information spilling out, so well worth it. All right, director on this, of course, you know who, you know who, because that's what all these shows are based around, Jess Franco, but he's not credited as Jess Franco on this, he's credited as Clifford Brown, C-L-I-F-F-O-R-D, not with an E sometimes, but yeah, this is just F-O, Clifford with a D, and Brown, Clifford Brown, based on, of course, the jazz musician, uh, who he liked a lot. Uh, producer, Julian Esteban. Story, Julius Valerie. Uh, screenplay and dialogue, Julius Valerie. And Jess Franco as Clifford Brown. Director of photography, Juan Solar Cozar. Camera assistants, Luis Dura, Colombo. Gerard Singer. Angel Ordiales. Sound Jack Ortiz. Production manager, Joaquin Dominguez. Uh, okay, do 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 do. Not discredit anyone, but there's a, quite a few names on this. Um, 
Let's see who else we got. Anybody you would recognize here? Uh, music, Jesus Franco and Daniel J. White. Songs performed by Carlotto Perla. Uh, lab, okay. Uncredited design and construction of Native Village and Totem, Angel Cavalera. Cool. And camera operator, of course, Jess Franco. To build as Jess Franco, but it's actually uncredited, so. Um, Juan Almoral, a.k.a. Joan Almoral, Lena Romay's brother, is credited as production assistant. However, Antonio Mayan states that Almoral never worked on Franco's films. His name was often used as a pseudonym by Franco himself, usually for camera credits, but in all other cases, his name was used to make up the requisite name of Spanish credits for co-production financing purposes. <laughs> nice. That's cool. So Franco basically used Lino May's brother's name as an extra so he'd have another person, quote-unquote, on staff to get Spanish financing. Nice. That's a cool cool little scam there. All right, Cat <laughs> Franco. All right. We love him. He's always pulling little little, little sneaky things. Uh, cast Ursula Butch Fellner as Ursula Fellner. She took the booch out of... Ursula Booch Fellner. Ursula Fellner. Okay, so she just took the B-U-C-H out. And she plays Laura Crawford, a starlet. That's what it's billed as. Of course, Al Cliver. We all know him. He plays Peter Weston. And somebody else we know, Antonio Mayans. He's, of course, Robert Foster in the credits. And he plays Jack, the helicopter pilot. And one of my favorite Franco actors, Antonio DiCabo, plays Thomas, the chief kidnapper in this. Uh, Gisela Hahn plays Jane, the kidnapper's mole. Muriel Montas, as Victoria Adams, plays the woman on the boat. Werner Pokhoth, as Chris. Leonardo Melo Acosta, as Leonardo Acosta, plays Pablito. Aline Mess, as Lynn Mess, plays the tribal priestess. The funny and odd and cool-named Yule Sanders which actually that's his other fake name there. As Claude Boisson. Okay, actually Claude Boisson's his real name, but yeah. Uh Yul Sanders uh plays the witch doctor. Wow, nice. Looking forward to looking seeing that. Anna Paula for Sacrifice Victim. Oscar Cortina plays Robert Goldstein and T B Costa's in it. Oscar Cortina is sometimes said to be producer Julian Esteban appearing under a pseudonym, but Antonio Mayans assists this is not a case. All right. Um, okay. So now we're gonna, of course, uh, I'll read this synopsis when we have the guest. Oh yeah, and the guest for this episode is a returning um, reviewer. It'd be his third time on. He was on for uh, Ninety Nine Women and uh, La Grande and Reduces, and uh, he's a, another fellow filmmaker, a uh, underground legend himself, uh, Mister Bob Moritz. Good friend of mine, who's also in Lady Hyde and uh, Emmanuel, and um, Emmanuel in Sin City, and uh, he's going to be here talking about this film, Devil Hunter. So, all right. Speaking of Devil Hunter, let's see what Jess Franco says about Devil Hunter. He says, "Have you seen Predator? This is the same as Devil Hunter, except that instead of a monster from another galaxy, it's a kind of yeti." It works the same way, and the development of the story is the same. I'm not saying they copied my movie, because it's going too far to say this. But I always say that if I had not done my film, Predator would not exist. 
Initially, when the monster attacks people with the strange colors, it's exactly the same. Jess Franco speaking to Cine Zine Zone. All right. Jess Franco played by Jason Rudy. <laughs> All right. Um, production notes. Devil Hunter was Franco's second cannibal-themed movie in six months after 1979's Euroscene production, The Cannibals. But thanks to a tangle of confusion surrounding them both, it is sometimes mistakenly listed as the first. When I met him in 2011, Jess Franco, this is Stephen Thrower, Jess Franco told me that Devil Hunter was made before The Cannibals, and he said so again, albeit rather hesitantly, when discussing both films in an interview on Severn's Devil Hunter Blu-ray. I made the second cannibal film with Marius Asur was the first. Okay, evidence points the other direction. It was Franco's memory was often sharp in this case. He was mistaken. Okay, uh, the roots of Devil Hunter go back to October 1979 when a press article in the magazine Italian Movie Trade announced a soon-to-begin project called The Cannibal, about a wealthy American girl who is kidnapped for ransom and taken to a remote island. Almost sounds like slaves or desclaven. De- uh, here, then, is the basic plot skeleton of Devil Hunter. The mooted director was Franco Prosperi. The film was described as an Italian-Spanish-West German co-production between Filmin and Maracar International Film, and shooting was apparently due to begin on November 5th. On October 17, 1979, a full-page advert appeared in Variety, proclaiming Federico J. Alicardi and Angela Pinton present The Cannibal. The artwork depicts a muscular, dark-skinned man in a loincloth brandishing a machete in one hand and a dripping human heart in the other, while a topless Caucasian beauty lounges indifferently before him. Four production companies are listed underneath. Filmin, Angela Pinton's well-established Italian production and distribution company based in Rome. Uh, Giesel's Thaig Film, G. MBH at a Munich, uh, JE Films, which is Julian Esteban's Madrid based company, and a company called MyCor, M A I C O R, which, judging from the spelling, was Federico Alicardi's company, probably misspelled as Marcor in the Italian movie trade listing. Not like the car, Marcor. Uh, in December 1979, Italian movie trade listed The Cannibal as in production. However, this was incorrect. For reasons unknown, shooting was in fact delayed for several months. Yeah, we talk about this on the uh, the Cannibal episode where they were going to do two films and Franco gave his blessing to use some of the same footage and that was never done. So, uh, Let's see. So uh, Nothing else was heard about this Nothing else was heard about this film until May 7th of 1980, which would be uh, five months later, when a full-page advert in the Cannes Film Market edition of Variety announced the project under a new title, The Manhunter, starring Al Cliver with an international cast. Um, Filmmen were now referred to as a distributor's only and the production company was listed as J.E. Films out of Madrid and Lisa Films GMBH out of Munich. Lisa Films presumably stepped in when Giesel Gosselig walked away. Uh, two companies that collaborated before. Uh, declaring that filming in New York and Mexico starts late May 1980, the advert described the project as a Franco Prosperi film directed by 
Amando de Osorio, which suggests that Prosperi was now attached only as producer. Uh, Armando de Osorio, of course, was a Spanish director of the excellent Blind Dead zombie films. Yet at some point before filming, Prosperi unhitched himself entirely, and Osorio bailed out as well. One suspects because the budget was shrinking to proportions few directors could cope with. Okay. Inter- I was just getting ready to say that, too. It's funny, before I even look it up, I was going to say Inter Jess Franco. And I look at the text and it says, Enter Jess Franco. Adept at working on minuscule budgets, and at last, the film gets made. Shooting took place in June and July of 1980, and a Spanish-language print was struck with the title El Cannibal, a direct translation of the original mooted title, The Cannibal. For English-language markets, the title was The Manhunter. The film was then touted for sale at the Cannes Film Market in May 1981, with Angela Penton's film and handling world sales. Alongside a film genuinely directed by Franco Prosperi, 1978's The Last House on the Beach, which I own. It's a good film. A.K.A. La Settima Dana. Production was credited to J.E. Films, Lisa Films, GMBH, and a third partner, Eurocene, out of Paris. In interviews, Franco gave Esteban credit for coming up with the story. The scriptwriting credit for Julius Valerie is believed to be an Esteban pseudonym. Furthermore, French CNC archive documents declare the film's production percentages as 50% Spain, 30% Germany, and France, 20%, indicating that Esteban was the majority backer. All right, review time by Stephen Thrower. And it looks like it's quite wordy, so... All right, here we go. (sighs) Review. This would be judged no more than a confusing and repulsive blur of a movie by conventional standards, but who cares about conventions so far in Franco's career? Devil Hunter is sufficiently bizarre and illogical to justify praise, if only for its brain-frazzling disorientation. The film is a borderless, structureless entity, an impression compounded by an extraordinary soundtrack full of echoed shrieks and moans, and Franco's ability to grossly distend individual scenes until the viewer has lost even the simplest of bearings. The talent for taking a straightforward narrative and rendering it fuzzy and absurd is something Franco shares with some of the stranger denizens of the American exploitation field, although Franco is generally more self-conscious in his rogue artiness. That said, his penchant for shooting one film while prepping another and editing a third gives his skittering attention that necessary lapse into carelessness, which provides a link to American eccentrics such as Rene Harmon, Frozen Scream, and James Bryan, Don't Go in the Woods. Devil Hunter is pathetic pathologically crude, excessively weird, and filmed in Franco's zoomiest style. It has almost no coherent plot development. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> uh, let's see. It has no, almost no coherent plot development. Instead, it riffs on the bare bones of a skeletal story, drawing out scenes into pure delirium and chewing on the gristle of each image until it's easy to forget who's who and what's going on. The problem is that that to really get into this murky trip through abstract lunacy you probably need to be drunk or a or as lord or flying high be drunk as a lord or flying high 
don't try this at home. Yeah, once you're wasted enough to appreciate the 90% proof weirdness, you're too fucked up to follow the remaining 10% of coherent plot. The story is fairly straightforward, but it's hidden in the tropical mulch like one of those children's picture puzzles in which a face is concealed among a blaze of chaotic foliage. Um, there are several factors aiding this slide into disorientation. Firstly, a curious doubling takes place. The film places two similar-looking blonde women in the jungle setting, although one is a kidnapper and the other is the abductee. The DVD release has gone some way to clearing things up, but if your first exposure to the film let's see, was through the Cine Hollywood VHS back in the 80s, that's probably the copy I got on DVD, the, the other one, uh, confusion will have reign supreme. Another doubling occurs. We see two different characters on separate occasions suffering a frantic allergic reaction to the jungle. The first is Werner Pockhoff as the bad guy kidnapper who sobs and whines and freaks out like some drug at a basket case. The second is Antonio Mayans helicopter pilot who steps gingerly into the shrubbery and then explodes into an extraordinary Vietnam flashback routine emoted with absurdly intensity by the dubbing artist. Uh, in the delirious free fall, the film was druggy non-structure. The second of these outbursts felt like a flashback for the viewer, too. Didn't other characters just freak out like this? You reminded that Devil Hunter came out the uh, same year that gave us the jungle Sandy Apocalypse Now. If only Dennis Hopper had signed up, too. <laughs> uh, disorientation is also fostered by the absence of certain vital connective tissue. We first see the heroine. Um, in a long, drawn-out parallel montage, she's an actress arriving at a seafront hotel in Benidorm, giving an interview surrounded by paparazzi. Intercut with her brainless twittering, we see a tribal ritual on some nameless tropical island in which a muscular black man with demonic bug eyes pounces on a blonde native woman and devours her. The blonde is menaced in her hotel bathroom by stalking masked men, and then we simply cut to them roaming through the jungle with her. Of course, when you stop to think, it's obvious that Franco has simply omitted the scenes that would show how the kidnappers got their victim to the island, but there's something about that brus brusqueness that throws the viewer completely. It's easy enough to do the math when you stop and wind it all back in the cold light of the day, but when you're in the moment, the film swamps your mind with a powerful surge of confusion. I like that. So, what are the monster? The devil of the title. Essentially a statuesque black muscle man stalking the jungle in the nude. He will stay in your mind long after the last clangorous discord has faded. Inserting the creature a place in the pantheon of horror history are his eyes, bloody and bulging from their sockets. A striking and bizarre image of Tumen sense pushed into the realm of agony. No wonder the creature, man, monster, is so enraged. Just looking seems to make him bleed. There's always something provocative about images of eyes. How could there not be as we look at the very things that allow us to see? In cinema, the image of the eye is inevitably creates a sort of feedback loop of signification. While in horror cinema, uh, the filming of traumatized or damaged eyes is an assault not only on the viewer's flinching nerves, but on the more symbolic attributes of seeing, which film theorists have discussed under the heading of the gaze. And since the act of the gazing is frequently linked in psychoanalytic vocabulary with the signification of the phallus, it's worth considering the way in which this Google-eyed monster literalizes the notion of the so-called phallic gaze. Interesting. 
the branch of film theory concerned with feminism and psychoanalysis, the voyeuristic gaze has often been discussed as phallic, at which point theorists tend to tie themselves up in undefying knots trying to work out how women might gaze, if not phallically. The convoluted absurdity of such debates aside, it's perhaps worth noting that in Devil Hunter, the monster's aggressive male sexuality is never backed up by what would seem to be its logical culmination, a monstrous phallus. Instead, the protruding eyes stand in as a sort of symbolic stunt version. Given the film's already tasteless fetishism of tribal culture, a feature of all cannibal films, whatever their pedigree, it's perhaps a wonder that Franco hesitates to go the extra mile here by adding the persistent cultural boogeyman fantasy of the super-endowed black man. There's the acceptability of such images to the world's censors to bear in mind, but it's a shame in a way that the black devil in the film is lacking the one appendage that would make sense of his rambling progress through the film. We occasionally can see the actor's penis, but this is a non-pornographic film. It's soft. A uh, nude, powerfully built, and roaming the jungle with arms poised like a muscle man showing off his dorsals, he's put forward as an image of primitive virility. And when he finally pounces on his trussed-up female victims, he ravages their straining torsos before snacking on throats and intestines. There's no doubt that this devil is hell-bent on screwing as much as snacking, but the production falls short of offering this ultimate climax, leaving us with only the monster's extraordinary appearance to compensate. The impossibility of endowing Devil Hunter's monstrous male with a suitable penis is therefore compensated by his bulging, tumescent eyes, offering instead a sort of erection of the gaze. Of Franco's two cannibal films, the first, made for a Euro scene, feels like a bit of a jape with a slapdash aura and lots of silliness, whereas Devil Hunter, for all absurdity and carelessness, hints a vein of delirium that links it to the better films of Franco's career. It may trail behind them like some Neanderthal beast with a vacant stare and drool hanging from his lips, but there's still a whisper here of the magic that Franco summons to the screen in his more personal projects. The cannibals feel like someone having fun at the expense of the subgenre. Devil Hunter feels authentically deranged. Yay, that sounds good. Yeah, actually just reading that made me think of King Kong, so I wonder if that's part of the inspiration for this. Um, let's see. Take a drink real quick. Alright, music. Devil Hunter's Relentless Weirdness is partially down to its pulverizingly freakish sound design. The music was created by Franco himself, to which indescribable free-form meanderings he adds a constant melee of animal screeches, heavily echoed grunts, and throat-rattling groans. It's like being mugged by an especially unfriendly segment of Pink Floyd's Umaguma. The storm clouds of oral chaos part occasionally, allowing for other sources to shine, including a ruminative, melancholy haze of acoustic guitar and wordless vocal. If you like it, you'll be pleased to learn that it turns up in numerous Franco films of the 80s. However, the sonic bombardment of space, echoed shrieks, and scrapes eventually sends the mind reeling off into bitch-slapped confusion, which, as much as anything, will define whether or not you enjoy the film or back away with your hands over your ears. I think I'm going to love this. 
Only one scene in which Antonio de Cabo ravishes the chained-up Ursula Buchfeld and her functions without music. And the sudden prolonged silence throughout the scene endows it with a seedy intensity, proving that Franco, for all of his excesses, knows how to upturn expectations and wrong-foot the viewer. Mystery surrounds the identity of Carlotto Perla, credited with the wordless vocals on the Devil Hunter soundtrack, and also used uncredited in later films such as Macumba Sexual, La Noche de los Sexos Saboritos, La Enclava Blanca, and the Spanish cut of Oasis of the Zombies. I used to suspect that Franco himself was responsible, but he denied it when I asked. All right, uh, locations. An architectural rune in the gardens of the Placio di Montserrat in Sintra, previously seen in the Dietrich era films Voodoo Passion and Di Sklaven. That's funny, too. I was mentioning this sounds like Di Sklaven. That's funny, so they filmed the same area. Provides the kidnapper's cave hideout. Uh, Butch Fellner's arrival for her press junket is filmed in the coastal resort of Benidorm. Look out for Gisela Hahn's utterly pointless walk down the Benidorm seafront in which Franco's handheld camera is the only thing looking at the actress while every single passerby stares relentlessly into the lens. Note also two identical Mercedes saloons parked by the curb. On the roadside in between them is a pile of camera accessories. The two cars probably belong to the production and our producer, Julian Esteban. That's interesting. Mercedes saloons. I thought Mercedes car. <laughs> interesting. Uh, Al Cliver visits Benidorm's Hotel Don Poncho. According to Franco, the rocky coastal scenes were shot in Spain, just outside Alicante. Uh, UK theatrical release, none. Released on UK video in November 81 as Devil Hunter. The film became one of three Franco films dragged into the video nasty fervor. That's one thing why this film is famous, too, is the video nasty um, connection. It was eventually banned, along with Bloody Moon, a third Franco film. Uh, Women Behind Bars was dropped from the list. Some Devil Hunter, one of three, along with Bloody Moon, a third Franco title. Okay, a third Franco title Women Behind Bars was dropped from the list. Okay, so just those two, Bloody Moon and Devil Hunter. Some Franco shockers like Justine and Barbed Wire Dolls escaped attention because they were transfers of heavily cut Cinema X prints. Others like Oasis of the Zombies, The Demons, or The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein ended up on the less serious Section 3 list, liable for confiscation but not prosecution. All right, uh, cast and crew. On the interview accompanying Severin's DVD release of the film, which I have as well and yet to watch, Franco claimed that the female star, Ursula Butch Fellner, had once been Playboy Magazine's Playmate of the Year. In fact, she was the October 1979 Playmate of the Month. Um, in December 77... Hold on. Um, let me read this right. Sorry, guys. Uh, let's see. Okay. Franco claimed okay, that she was Playmate of the Year. In fact, she was the October 79 Playmate of the Month. She was also Playmate of the Month in the December 77 German edition of Playboy. Jeez, almost two years earlier. When she was 16 years old. Yikes. The American edition dutifully waited until she was 18 before ogling her pussy. That's nice. Playing a hapless, innocent, and classic blonde bimbo, Butch Fellner certainly looks the part, especially during well-wishers 
from an open-topped car and strikes sexy swimwear poses for photographers outside her seafront hotel. In terms of her performance, Frank remembers that she was a sweet and sincere, sincere girl who didn't try to be an actress and happily did what was asked of her. Franco regulars in the cast include the always entertaining Portuguese actor Antonio Di Cabo, playing a sexually abusive kidnapper. I like that sexually abusive kidnapper. And Antonio Mayans is back too, gearing up for the long-term collaboration that would see him working on more than 40 subsequent Franco films. Nice. As both actor and production manager. Al Cliver, fresh from Lucio Fulci's Zombie, Flesh Eaters, plays a character whose name, Peter Weston, echoes the character Peter West, played by Ian McCullough in the Fulci film. After, f- I'm sorry, also featured again is Leonardo Melo Acosta, the handsome young co-star of La Chica Stil Copacabana. Uh, okay. Oh, it's yeah, the younger guy. Okay, he uh, here he plays a kidnapper who meets a grizzly in an animal trap. Frank was not especially fond of this film, but he did have fond memories of one of the cast members, as he told Marion D. Bolotino in 2001. The best thing about it was Werner Pocock, an outstanding actor but completely crazy. Kinski was harmless compared to him. He was constantly chaotic, rushed on the verge of snapping. Angel Caballero, who would later play the male lead in Satomania, worked uncredited on Devil Hunter, as Juan Solar explained to him. He lived in a dorm and had a studio where he painted posters, street posters, advertisements, etc. In El Cannibal and other films of the style, he was in charge of setting up the native village, painting the totems, decoration props, etc. Alright, almost done here. Other versions. Severin's Blu-ray, taken from the original Spanish negative, is the longest available version. And in terms of the material, appears definitive. Various video versions over the years, namely the UK and Dutch releases called Devil Hunter, the French release Chasseur de Homes, and the American release The Man Hunter, have omitted or shortened sexual and or violent scenes, including Laura being stripped and prepared for a ceremony by natives, Shots of natives dancing around Laura, the sex scene on the boat involving Muriel Montas, and the scene of the monster entering the boat. In Severin's release, the opening credits plays over two minutes of jungle footage, which does not appear in any other version. The Italian version runs credits on a plain red background over the first two minutes of the film, while the soundtrack, complete with Foley sounds and dubbing, play underneath. The only drawback to Severin's otherwise ideal presentation is the peculiar lack of image contrast, apparently due to a flaw in the original materials. That such a low contrast appearance is not evident in the ultra-cheap 80s VHS version suggests that these were struck from prints where grading had already been adjusted to compensate. A subsequent German DVD from XT Video improves the grading considerably. So hopefully they'll put out a better uh, graded copy of this soon. Uh, Bert Altman is often said to play the monster. That is an error. Bert Altman, real name Bertrand Altman, is a Caucasian, silver-haired French actor who appears in Cannibal Terror playing a crime boss. He does not appear in Double Hunter. Just to add to the general confusion surrounding... so stupid. <laughs> uh, just to add to the general confusion surrounding Franco's Cannibal projects, there are in fact two Italian directors called Franco Prosperi. One made documentary films like Mondo Cane, 1963, Africa Audio, 66, and the Race Hate documentary, 
or docudrama, Goodbye Uncle Tom, 71. That's the one I know. Uh, the other directed crime thrillers like Technia and the Omosidio, 66, Every Man is My Enemy, 1967, and the rape revenge thriller La City Madonna, Last House on the Beach. Okay, I've seen that. 78. Counterintuitively, perhaps, it was the latter who was set to direct The Cannibal. Yeah. All right. Whew, that's a lot of there. So, all right. Well, you know the drill. Hang out past the bumper music, and you'll hear Bob Moritz and I talking about the Devil Hunter. So, uh, let me give you plugs on this side, too, real quick. Uh, there's a donation button if you dig the show and you want to support it in any way, either one time or monthly or whatever you want to do. Uh, please feel free to donate. I would appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, download the episodes and, importantly, subscribe to the show. So every Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. West Coast time, you will have a new episode waiting for you in your mailbox or whatever digital platform for you to enjoy on your leisure. Also, please tell friends about the show. If you like Franco, if you want people to know about the show, if they want information about any of the shows we like right now, we're up to, what, episode 98, so we have uh, at least uh, probably close to 200 hours now of Franco Audio talking about all of his films, so plenty of content for people to enjoy for free whenever they want, 24-7, and we've had steady downloads, so I appreciate that. Uh, we also know that if you want to get a hold of us for any reason, you can email us at FrancoObserver, one word, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. And uh, yeah, send me an email and I'll answer you back. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can on Instagram. We have a page, the Franco Observer Podcast, and we have a page on Facebook, the Franco Observer Podcast on Facebook. Add us there and uh, follow us, all that good stuff, so... Alrighty, well, I'm going to stop this tape here and uh, watch Jess Franco's Devil Hunter, the DVD by Severn. Looks like widescreen, 185.169, which is fine. Uh, English and French audio, which, of course, I'll watch French and with the English subtitles. I, n- I never watch English dubbed. Uh, it's always my last option, which most people would watch English dubbed first. But now English dub is always a joke. It's usually too comical and it takes away from the film, so... I always do whatever the foreign language is, unless it's something crazy, you know, that is just as crazy as English. So, yeah, I usually take with the uh, Spanish, French, German, anything like that. But if it's anything else, then I'll go with uh, English. So, anyway, long story short, yeah. So, buenas noches, maha. See you on the other side. Hey, we're back with the review of Devil Hunter by Jess Franco, and I am joined today by my friend and fellow filmmaker, special guest returning for the third time, Mr. Bob Moritz. How are you today, Bob? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Let's get you a little bit closer to the mic. Okay. There you go. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So, you watched Devil Hunter. Was this your first time watching this film? Never seen it before. This was the first time. And what'd you think? I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was definitely, I, I feel like when Franco gets let loose in the jungle, like 
barbed wire women, those kinds of things. There's there's a real frantic kind of energy, and he really tries. And when the actors are behind the action, it, it's very, very entertaining. This was certainly Franco at his entertainingest. Yeah, I know. It's, it's uh, definitely... You know, it's growing up and seeing this film always on shelves at, like, video stores and stuff. I always thought it was schlocky, and it maybe or maybe not be, but definitely was a lot better uh, and more linear and more of an actual film film than a lot of his other films. And, and I definitely enjoyed it for that purpose as well, you know. It's a nice mix of a lot of his things. It's, like, part kidnapper movie because he was doing some of the kidnapper films at this time. He did, uh, just before this, he did um, Burning Up Inside, and he did... Uh, uh, two female spies, and then uh, uh, a couple of films had that kidnapping theme where um, Disclavin, where they have the kidnappers, and then they have to go figure out who the people are and get the woman or something. And in this case, he took that kidnapping genre, mixed it with a cannibal genre and a monster on the loose thing, and and uh, yeah, it's a nice mix. And that's I know as a fellow filmmaker, it's cool to like mix genres as you're making your movie because it stands out more, you know. It's a tasty melange. <laughs> yeah, and, and all the right ingredients are good. You can't put too much sometimes, but yeah, just the right mix is good. Um, so for this, though, it's funny. I noticed there's uh, shades of King Kong, kind of, like of the monster on the island, and they have to sacrifice the blonde woman to the monster. And there's also... Um, but instead, it's a, it's a six-foot black guy. Yeah, with ping pong a, balls yeah. on his eyes. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Willie... Willie Popeye Ingram, you know, the, the freak show guy. Who's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The eyeballs come out. Good, good, good call. I didn't know the guy's name. Yeah, I know exactly the clip you're talking about, the black and white clip, I think, yeah. where he looks. Yeah. Uh, also reminded me of uh, the Diabolical Eye Creatures, the Larry Buchanan film, and uh, there's one or two AIP things where they have the giant ping pong ball eyeballs for the monsters. Um, a nice, cheap effect. Yeah, it was very good. And, and in this book, uh, it's funny, interesting. Uh, tell some. Franco goes, um, have you seen Predator? This is the same as Devil Hunter, except that instead of a monster from another galaxy, it's a kind of a Yeti. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, it works the same way, and the development of the story is the same. I'm not saying they copied my movie, because it's going too far to say this, but I always say that if I had not done my film, Predator would not exist. Initially, when the monster attacks people with these strange colors, it's exactly the same. Now, there are a few sequences, though. I, I don't agree with that, but there are a few sequences where it did remind me of Predator. There's a scene where he's up in the trees... And you hear the kind of weird sound that he makes. And you see his POV shot, kind of the same as Predator, where it's all kind of like foggy and stuff. But that's also like an old-style monster movie as well. But there's a scene where the guy is hanging out of the tree and the blood's dripping on the other guy. And, and like that five-minute sequence right there, I was like, okay, there's a little bit of Predator, that sequence, but the rest of the film's not. And a couple shots where the, you know, but it could be like a cannibal movie shots too, but where they have the machine guns that are kind of coming through the forest toward the thing. And it just, it did look similar in a few shots, but, uh, yeah. J Jason, this is very funny that you bring this up because I always think about how, uh, you think you invent something, but some asshole did it oh, yeah. before. Like, like there was this great shot. I mean, one of the things I enjoyed about this movie was there was, uh, there's also a lot of uh, ding dong on display. Yeah, especially yeah, the the main guy and yeah, some the of the monster, cannibal guys yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. And 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 there was a shot. I made a movie in '94 called Rod Ribald Must Be Destroyed, and okay. I took I had this shot. I always called it the Rod Ribald shot, where the camera was low, and then um, the villain Rod Ribald he takes off his robe to get into the bathtub, and the camera's just right there, and it's right. like hanging in your face, you know, and 
same shot in this one. And I thought I invented that shot. I was called it the Rod Reibold <laughs> shot. But no, just Franco did it way before yeah. me. Uh, just Franco did it first. Yeah, 14 years <laughs> before I did it. So, you know. That's funny. Yeah, I know. It's, it's definitely interesting, though. Like, uh, you know, you, you can see certain things like that. And, and, you know, it made me think. And it's what I like a lot about Franco, too, is he always opens your mind to different things. And then I suddenly I thought, well, Predator now is almost like a, a, a cannibal film, except for take out the cannibal and replace him with Predator. Same thing. The white guys and other people come into the jungle. They're not the welcome. Spine is a monument. Yeah, and totem it traps them, kills them, yeah. it hunts them, and stuff like the cannibals do. And I'm like, okay, just like a '80s cannibal movie that they just changed it, put the monster in, and shined it up, and put Schwarzenegger in it, and a bunch of money, and there it is. And it's a modern cannibal film. So what do they say that, what do they say? There's like only three stories. And yeah, yeah, every yeah. Film is a variation. So I never thought of that until today. So I was like, cool. So I kind of right. have a new a new outlook every day. You I'll know? take it. Yeah, I'll yeah. Kind of works. So uh, this is film number 98 by Jess Franco at this time, which is crazy, you know. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through some of the highlights, not everything piece by piece. Actually, you know, wait, first let me read the synopsis because I always kind of do that. It's short. Um, yeah, this is kind of an easier one, yeah, synopsis-wise, I think. Yeah, sometimes they're like too long. Um, okay, so this is uh, Laura Crawford, an actress visiting Spain for a press junket, is abducted by a gang of kidnappers who sprint her away to the untamed Porto Santo Island and issue a demand for a ransom. Her agent called calls Peter Weston, an investigator and venturer, to deliver the ransom and retrieve her. On arriving at the island to hand over the money, in reality just sheets of blank paper, Weston is involved in an altercation with the kidnappers during which Laura escapes into the jungle. Meanwhile, the island's inhabitants, a primitive tribe, make sacrifices to a demonic figure who prowls the jungle attacking and eating human beings. Who will ultimately get their hands on Laura? The rescuers, the kidnappers, or the demon? So yeah, so I guess he's a demon. I, well, you know, I mean, spoiler alert, he like dies at the end. I, I mean, how can... I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, they, they keep showing like what a right. this metaphysical force he was, and then he winds up on the rocks. Yeah, it's very... Uh, well, it's the same ending as King Kong. The white man conquers the tribe, sure. and that's the way at the and that's like America or anything, you know. Colonialism. Yeah, works. that's basically how it ends. Like we you know, win. It was beauty that killed the beast, yeah. but in this case, it was a, a full Nelson and then a monkey flip off the fucking thing. <laughs> oh you know? my god, the kung fu lunges. Yeah, in yeah. That. And, and when the the camera's behind the the monster, and you just keep slapping him and slapping. No. <laughs> I loved, uh, well, not sure about that, but this goes to the whole film, too. I loved the soundscape in the whole film. It's yeah. just like beginning to end, just layered with sound effects, moaning, tribe stuff, all music, and the jungle sound effects. And just, he just, all the way through, it's just like a blanket that just lays over the whole film and really, really is very, very nice. Well, you know, my, my lady works from home, and then she's all, wow, every, every morning uh, I just hear screaming yeah. and, and, and uh, moaning. And, and gunshots every morning, you know. So and, then and that's like, just outside. No, that, that's just outside. That's our neighborhood. <laughs> like, and I was in the room talking with her, and I stopped, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Yeah, I know. Sometimes I get a hair, especially with this film. There's a lot of screaming, and I was like, "Oh shit, my door's open." I wonder if people are like, "What the fuck's going on in there?" You know, I, I, I do the same thing. Up. Exactly. Oh no, I'm just watching Just Franco. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, um, what what I liked, like they talked about the um, the uh, early crosscut scenes. I liked how you seen the woman getting sacrificed with the starlet uh, in like pre in a Paris or uh, somewhere where she's on the streets and people are taking her picture and it shows like almost of that beauty is being 
captured by something and then her beauty is being captured by the photographer so it's like two beauties being captured at the same time in a different culture and styles and everything which yeah then it, it, it's mirrored in that whole scene where uh you've got the the what do you call it the the what's the appropriate nomenclature the the tribal lady the cannibal uh, tribe woman or whatever the yeah, cannibal yeah. tribe woman where she's like personifying the beast oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. once the beast dies she's dead too yeah know? so it's it's almost strangely yeah. thematically linked yeah no they do it there and they do it also when she's kidnapped later too mm-hmm. where she's being kidnapped by the kidnappers with the face the pantyhose on their face and then you see the other woman being abducted and killed by the guy like you're saying and stuff so you see that kind of you know yeah, there were certainly hos- hosiery hijinks in yeah. this movie. Big, big time. But it's very stylized, too. It's it's good. It wasn't just played in linear fashion. He had the good cross-cutting. And, and I loved, was, I thought that was really effective yeah. in the beginning, the cross-cutting between kind of establishing the, the European model and then, like, the, the stuff going on in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it kind of shows you, like, here's the two storylines, and then they're going to come together. And, yeah, it was very a good... Uh, teaching on filmmaking, like a good example of here's how you start off if you have two parallel stories and you want them to connect. And this is a good basic way to you know show he knows you what he's do doing. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, very and, much and, so. and it's easy to dump on Franco. Oh yeah, and be like, oh, he's this amateurish. He's hack, a hack, and he just does shit. He yeah. knows he knows his film. Yeah, he knows he's, the formulas, and he knows yeah. how you do this and that. And he, yeah, very, he's very, got very, the very skills. Well. He just wants to get through it. Yeah, exactly. So and he can that's get to the about. next one. Exactly. It's all about the next film. The next film. Um, one thing I laughed at in the beginning during that sequence, uh, especially on the big screen, I could see it. One of the uh, cannibal tribesmen has on his uh, a wedding ring uh, when he's carrying the woman on the pole across. You see it. He has a silver band on his left hand, second finger, too. I'm like, oh, there's no doubt that, Good you know. Yeah, catch. I was laughing at that. Shoot. So he may be uh, a cannibal, but he sells Christian. Uh, Christian yeah, cannibal. <laughs> exactly. Now, that would be an interesting subgenre. There you the go. Christian cannibal movie. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be interesting. <laughs> Have uh, Jesus as the deity instead of the totem pole. It's the Jesus pole. <laughs> yeah, let's get even more offensive. You know, yeah. maybe like... just put Jesus on the totem pole, like you know, <laughs> crucified on the totem pole. That almost sounds like a uh, with the bugging ping pong eyes. Alejandro Jodorowsky film. Though now we're kind of getting to that territory. <laughs> Super metaphysical, big time. Uh, so we have the monsters POV shots. I thought was really cool with all the sounds and the echo and that we talked about. Um, Vaseline on the lens. Exactly. Um, I watched the French version with the English subtitles. Did you watch just the English sub version? Yeah, the one I found on YouTube. Okay. Uh, it, it was like a, it, it had the watermark uh, fimlam.com. I don't know what okay. the heck it was. It yeah. started off, there's like this comely young uh, Asian lady in a t-shirt that said the logo. And oh, that's interesting. There was nothing else. There was nothing else in it, but that watermark was up there in the corner the whole time. Mine was an English dub. Okay. And then about an hour into it, it turned into Spanish, and uh, then I didn't even know if it went back to English. You know what I mean? But it did. It did yeah, because sometimes they have the generated... Music. Uh, captions on the YouTube. There were no captions. There were no captions. I was just listening. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There was no subtitles. It was all English. And then all of a sudden, everybody's speaking Spanish. And then I'm all, oh, wow. So I guess it's switched. Now, now it's all Spanish. But yeah, that's then interesting. It never... Uh, but then that, that's the magic of Franco's filmmaking is that I didn't even notice. Wow. You know? Right, because you're just more into the images. And, and, yeah. And, and yeah, and also, if you're a good storyteller, you can have the sound off and follow a film. That's always an old an old rule, you know. If you oh, yeah. if you can follow it, then it's. I like watching made. foreign films without the subtitles. I feel like I get I get more, you know. I get the yeah. plot points and stuff with the subtitles, but then without them, you get the 
the emotions and the feeling and the you know oh yeah no. I like with Franco stuff especially just with this thing I always go with whatever the native language is and then English subtitles yeah. I, I never do dubbed unless it's the, the only version then I will do that because most time it's comical and oh, it's, so it's a bad thing and it changes a lot of the words and yeah. it's just more of a and it just takes that takes an extra shine off it, in my opinion so no, I and you're right for, for that brief uh, sequence that it was in Spanish it was so much better. Yeah, no, I, like, it's just a feel. It just it feels like just the energy comes down. It just I don't know all this stuff. It's just too. I don't the know. The actors' voices seemed right. It wasn't just yeah, some yeah, guy yeah. getting five bucks for an hour. Exactly, you know? and one guy doing you know. So yeah, it's it's funny. It's Especially if you voices. make films, you can hear it most than an average person just watching it, just to watch it, you know. But uh, yeah, so uh, and then we have um, uh, killing. Uh, let's see, we have killing of. Uh, okay, well, I mean, um, so we have the, um, yeah, the kidnapping thing I liked with Cannibal. Um, oh, yeah. So I was laughing. There's, uh, in the tribe, there's a white bongo player with a oh, big geez. mustache, and he looked that like was the he... the most racially diverse tribe I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Okay, so then in the Cannibals, the other movie he did before this, all the people wore different face paint, and each person had a different style of face paint, which was cool because they didn't all have the same style. It was like kabuki face makeup, wrestling face makeup kids make it just everybody was different it's like what the fuck and in this he stripped that all down and he had just everybody natural except for the women had makeup and a couple of the women was funny because some of the women had short afros some had their hair tied back one woman had like feathered hair yeah. and like makeup and her eyes eyebrows shaved and eyebrows drawn on and her makeup and i was like come on dude and then the guy had a wedding ring on and so it's very funny they're like white guys in the they're like oh yeah Italians. all different yeah spanish the italian Asian black yeah everybody chief. it's like i don't know what, what, yeah. i mean yeah, it, 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 i mean these tribes are tight you know yeah they're yeah, really, yeah. Really, really tight and it's these people you think about it too because these people are you know either it's cool because it's like a a a, a melting pot which is kind of a fun cannibal joke but <laughs> but uh but also it's funny that you think just the small region of people you have all these different ethnicities that are in this little regional group and it's funny how it's like come on man i mean you should all be pretty close but it's such a wide variety it's funny but you know people can always oh well you know they they, they found an orphan child they ate exactly a really raised 10 of them that, yeah <laughs> he grew up with the tribe and that's how we got in there but no, I was laughing because the bongo player looked like uh, uh, he could be in Journey. It looked his hair and his mustache. I was like, it looked like just like the scene of Journey. He was just getting down playing and, you know, they were getting down and all that stuff. Was he was fine. probably the drummer in uh, just Franco's jazz band. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got um, uh, what I liked was scene number eight. Oh, yeah. So in just Franco films, he always has a scene where, or not all of them, but most of them, according to his, his recipe, there's always a scene where a woman's doing a strip tease on stage, and it's usually he'll take that and he'll make it a thousand different ways. Like in Vampiros Lesbos, he has the woman with the, with the mannequin, and Nightmares Come at Night, it's just a woman laying on stage real weird, and, and uh, uh, the sex is crazy, he has like a, a guy dressed like robots, and so he always has very bizarre sex scenes on stage or something. So with this, he mimicked, he had the naked girls with a mat on the ground, and they were, like, doing the whole dancing and getting down, and not stripping because they're already naked, but I was interesting, like, okay, here's his set, and then, and then of course, some uh, music, like, there's the band behind him playing, and these girls are stripping, basically dancing naked, and but it's more of a ritual or a, a, a ceremony, so I thought that was, like, kind of cool how he took that and goes, okay, well, you could take that and put it in here, and this goes into there, and, and you know. You know, it's cool. I, like, I didn't even make that connection. Um, cause I was too busy kind of, kind of being, being 
little surprised yeah, yeah. at the graphicness of the oh, nudity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll just, like, zoom into a certain region. Yeah. And every, let's say, uh, fold... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's but it's but it's beautiful because that's his style, and he's oh. just grafting it onto another genre. And he would do the same thing because it's funny. This film has no Lena Romay, which is crazy because he's in all the films. And so it's like, okay, these are shots he would do with Lena, where she was bending over. He would go down her back and then slowly zoom in and and follow it. Because there's a certain I was what what enough he, this... he he can make female butt hair sexy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I was laughing. He was just doing it. It's like the girl's back was too, and he would zoom in between their butt. Yep. It's like, wow, you're really okay. taking your Remind me of like the, I, one of my notes was uh, like a pecker, like a pecker shot. You know, like in the John Waters film Pecker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that notorious shot of the close up? Oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, again, Franco did it first. Oh, Franco, yeah, Franco gets closer than. I mean, there's some Leah ones where he literally. I mean, Eric would talk about it. I mean, it's almost like a gynecological exam where he would just oh, yeah. get so like the lenses he was using, he was getting past her basically shooting through oh, yeah. her, you know it should have been in smell vision <laughs> yeah <laughs> or 3d that would have been you know the figure should have made a 3d movie that would have been amazing that awesome. yeah I, know. I think he missed his boat on that um uh okay so there's a, a um uh the location that the kidnappers have this like kind of like a cave thing with the rock area and stuff he's he's used that location in quite a few films uh uh and uh the slaves, uh, Voodoo Passion, and quite a few other films, but that area is really, really cool. That's uh, and they talk about it in the book, but you see that area, which is a really, really cool little oasis section, you know. Yeah, I like those. I like those little little scenes. There, there was one that was very unpleasant with the the villain uh, just kind of groping the, the the chained up lady, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was nice because you saw his back and his herky jerky movements and his hat flopping around, you know, and. You know, you could have just gotten the shot of his gnarly face all over yeah. her and drooling and it's gross, but it's like worse when you... That's the elevated horror, right? Totally. When you don't see it and you're like, Ugh. Right, you hear the scream and the camera goes off. And that's Franco did a lot with this. You didn't see it, but you saw the aftermath, like a lot of the deaths of the gore effects and stuff. And with that, and that's uh, Antonio DiCabo. He's uh, one of my favorite Franco actors. He's in about seven or eight Franco films. Oh, he was great. Uh, he was vile. Yeah, he's... He, he reminded me of that, like, Cassavetti's actor, that cadaver gaunt guy I forgot his name he was in Faces and oh was, yeah yeah the, with white uh, yeah white hair Moxley or, or uh, Robert Morley or Morley or, was the fat gay guy from Britain but cl- yeah close, something like that Rob, yeah like I know that. you're talking about the white hair guy yeah 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 with the kind of pockmarked faces yeah. and uh, shadows I think and uh, with Gene Rollins and then Faces and then one or two early ones yeah 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 but yeah, no, he's cool. He's in uh, Cetus to Notre Dame. He's in X three twelve Flight to Hell. He's in uh, quite a few films. He's a uh, stage director uh, and friend Franco's, and he's more of a classically trained actor and and does stage productions and teaches and all that stuff. So when he comes in the film, he he plays really good. And in this, he usually plays gay characters. And in this one, he's kind of playing the kind of like a yeah. tough cowboy kind of rapist guy. It's like okay, he's playing against type of who he really is, but he played it really well, you know. Oh, hey, before, before, since we're talking about him, before I forget, there's this one shot that cracked me up so bad. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end when um, Al Cliver, right? Is Al Cliver, he's the, he's the main He's main the guy the mustache, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like getting in a, he's in a fight with him. In the water, he kills yeah. him in the water. He like smashes his head on the rock. And then there's these shots of him smashing his head. And you could tell that. Al Cliver's being really careful and right. very gentle Delicate with him, with him to yeah. not smash his head. But then what happens is, like, he's finally done. He lets go of him. Uh, uh, he's floating in the water. 
and then a wave comes and <laughs> hits his head against the rock. So all that effort to right, not right, hurt to, him. to help him and yeah, be a professional and not fucking hurt the guy. Yeah, yeah, because he's a very nature, skinny, delicate guy. Yeah, <laughs> and nature comes in and says, "Fuck you." That's funny. Um, yeah. So uh, oh, also too, I liked the uh, the uh, filmmaker scenes of how basically uh, the woman was basically kidnapped and uh, the filmmaker puts out a puts out money to the guy to have find her and uh, bring her back because he says I'm going to make her a, a star of the 80s and I was thinking of a star 80 uh, hey. the film and I never thought about yeah maybe it came out I think it yeah came actually out right around that time yeah I didn't, I, didn't, wow, I didn't think about that yeah because also too like I was thinking of that term star 80 I didn't think about it like oh this is the star of 1980 and I never put that combination together of star 80 like that's what that means and shortened vocabulary you know yeah, so I thought it was kind of cool, and, and and that lady too that was the main victim, she was a Playboy centerfold. I'd read, Franco says she's the Playmate of the Year, but she wasn't. She was like Miss October of whatever uh, when she was eighteen, but she was in Playboy Germany when she was sixteen, and so like the Playboy Germany is her sixteen-year-old pictures, and they said it. America waited until she was 18, and they said, okay, now you can be a playboy over here. You know, so. yeah, I don't understand how any of that works. I read a breakdown about the Olivia Hussey in Romeo and Juliet. Right. She was like 15 or 16 when they shot that. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but then uh, the, uh, the long and short of it was uh, she wasn't bre- they weren't breaking any laws because, I guess, in France, it was a French production, and in France, the age of consent is 16 or something right. like that. But then it gets so hazy with that stuff. Like, I remember Thor Birch had a nude scene, and she was underage. And, and in the eyes of a stranger, Jennifer Jason Lee had one, and she was 17. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Well, especially if you go back to the 70s, even, happen? you have Brooke Shields in Pretty oh, Baby, yeah, yeah. and then you have uh, Natasha Kinski. Yeah, did yeah, that yeah. and stuff where they're like 15, 16. And even in Franco stuff, uh, Susan Hemingway is like 15 and uh, Love Lovers of Portuguese Nun. And this film coming up, I'm watching uh, the other Eugenie, uh, Erotismo. That gal is like 16, but she's in the film and she's nude, but she doesn't do anything with anybody else. So it's like there's certain things you could do. And her mother was on set and all this other stuff. And But in the way they shoot, and it's, it's weird. But yeah, nowadays you don't even do any of that stuff because it's just asking for trouble you no, know like, but, why bother you yeah get, exactly you just get someone yeah. who's 30 who looks exactly like 15 exactly. and then the, you're you're fine i know but yeah so it's funny back then you're just like whoa you know some of the stuff you know but it's not it's how it's shot and, and it's funny too because it's like even, even the same thing like you can be with somebody that age but if you film it then you're in trouble and it's like it's such a stupid how that it should just be one way or the other you can or you can't you, you know well, you can do that, but you can't film it. You can't. It's like, what? It seems like there are these 40-year cycles where you have, uh, you know, like the pre-code Hollywood where they're yeah. getting down and dirty. And then uh, all that goes away. The the Puritans The Hayes Code and all that stuff comes yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then in the 60s, late 60s, you know. The acid. new Hollywood and all that stuff takes over. The, yeah. the system and then, dies. And, and then we're back. You yeah, know? And then, yeah. And then now we're back to the Hayes Code, you know. So, yeah. No, yeah, because like 68 to 72 is new Hollywood. And then. Godfather, Jaws, Star Wars, all so started that yeah. next cycle of all the blockbusters, and then the '80s was all the you know the end of the drive-in stuff and the independent canon and all that you know that type of cinema as well. And then, but as yeah, as time goes on, now it's just like you're talking about it's the uh, superhero movies and the safer stuff that's just homogenized and and everything else, you know. And you try to sneak in little things, but that's about it. Well, it's weird though, you know, because it's almost like the. Um all that gore and the prurient 
materials, you know. I mean, they're still in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like now with this elevated the subject matter, thing, but not just showing it. But just... Well, no, but they show it too. Like, like I mean, there, I mean, Game of, Th- Game of Thrones, there were so many dicks and, right. no, and, and gore. I mean, more violent. Like when they poured that metal on that guy's head, I mean, that to me was just as shocking as anything in any Franco movie or anything. Yeah, that's know? Cable too. Yeah, Cable's another beast, but I'm talking about like... Mainstream, yeah, mainstream cinema, cinema you know. Yeah. Well, that's or, weird. Yeah, you, no, I, you are close. You can't keep the devil down, yeah, right? And yeah. the more you try to stuff him in the closet, he's gonna right. Just gets more and more powerful. Out. Yeah, that's funny. Um, uh, let's see. We got uh, yeah. We were talking about that scene of uh, DeCabo uh, blessing her in front of the other woman, uh, which is kind of an interesting shot because that was almost like a Franco scene of the sadism and almost the sexual games where he was molesting her, and the other woman kind of came in and just started watching, and she was the audience and. She sat back at the hammock and just like enjoying the show, you know, and just letting it unfold. And then she got up later. I was like, okay, that's a total Franco scene where, okay, I'm just going to put my my touches into these genre, you know. It's very feminist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Franco was a feminist. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, he shows the power of women and stuff. And even when the guy's the boss, the woman's still enjoying the show, and the guy's performing for her. So yeah, it's kind of that rising of the power structure, which was pretty cool. Progressive guy. Oh yeah. Most definitely. and then I liked, too, they were talking about sound, how sound was all the time used. We had um, um, uh, Alberto Mayans as the helicopter pilot, and he had PTSD. So the sound effects for him was he was hearing all the, like, nom flashbacks of the machine oh guns. That and... southern accent was the was <laughs> see, now, see, I, see, now I watched the, oh, yeah, you saw the, the Italian the with the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, the version I saw. He had the southern accent. See, they always like Foghorn, leghorn. I mean, yeah. They love doing southern accents on Franco dubs. Uh, there's one or two films before that where I was um, talking about it with somebody else. It's like, it's like oh, these guess, are Americans. yeah. But they're like Gone with the Wind accents, though. They're like so yeah. old southern. You're like, dude, that's like outdated then. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like using black, yeah, you like know, Ebonics, colloquialism right? of stuff <laughs> and from the 30s and, and the 60s. You're like, dude, you're just so outdated. Like, yeah. why are you doing that analysis? Yeah, it's just so funny. Um, so we have, uh, uh, oh yeah, I thought there was a good gore on the cannibal victim that they see, uh, that she has her heart ripped out and she's like naked and stuff. This film for a Franco film, he doesn't do a lot of gore, but this, this had a nice, yeah, very good stuff. Like the guy falls on the, uh, bamboo shoots later and and you hear him fall and you don't see it and then you come back and you guys just leg and there it's all set up and a lot of nice set pieces that you'd seen the after effects, which, you know, I mean, the monster was a little hokey at times, but the other stuff was really, really solid. I thought you know? that, that scene you mentioned, where they found the, the guy in the um, on the spikes, it reminded me of uh, Raise the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, very good. Back and he finds Alfred Molina with yeah. all the spikes in. Oh him. yeah, good call. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of good stuff in this, like that. Real, real basic. You know. Jungle serial type stuff too, you know, which is which is really cool. And, and he used a lot of the that one shot of the entrails getting torn out. It, it kept getting repeated, and and it's great. You're in the yeah. jungle. You just throw. It's it's a meal for the animals. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Zero foot. Oh, exactly. Animal. Birds, animals, anything would come in and just yeah. fucking take it away. Most definitely. Um, Doing a favor. Yeah, 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 yeah. To the beasts and children in the forest. Uh, one cheap shot I liked is. Uh, they uh, shoot their helicopter, and they're supposed to jump out of the helicopter yeah. into the water. So they open the <laughs> door, and the guy kind of jumps out. And then the pilot jumps out next, and then Franco kind of dips the camera down a little bit, and you can see the background in the back. So basically, 
the helicopter was just sitting prone and they were just kind of jumping out of it toward the camera. But if Franco didn't dip that shot, you would think that they were actually in the air. That's why I was laughing. I was like, oh, you just did that one little drop down. I'm like, oh, now you just killed the illusion. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Oh, and I was, you know, I was impressed at the production value with that uh, helicopter. Oh, yeah, because it flew over and then you see the little edit and yeah. then there's the explosion, you know. But it, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That, I thought uh, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes had a much better um, helicopter. Okay. Crash. Because it was real. Oh, Have you really? Ever seen that one? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it been years one. and years and years. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do remember. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so yeah, they're the same uh, lily pond as uh, Cecilia and uh, Virgin Mom Living Dead. He likes using that that whole area, that whole forest, the same forest as in uh, Oh, What a Honeymoon. And he uses a lot of the same locations, uh, Alicante and in Spain, uh, another place. So this, uh, this was Spanish. So I was wondering yeah, about yeah. where it was shot. I couldn't yeah. find any info. No, it's but I uh, it was Spain. Let's see. This was shot. Locations. Let me see. Uh, locations on this. Uh, um, uh, locations. Uh, yeah, the architectural rune, which I talked about, is in the gardens of the Palicio de Montserrat in Sintra, previously seen in Voodoo Passion and uh, Desclavin. Uh, provides a kidnapper's cave hideout. Um, Bookfilner's arrival for a press junket in the beginning that's filmed in the coastal resort of Benidorm. Um, and then um, Al Cliver visits the Hotel de Pancho, and uh, the rocky coastal scenes were shot in Spain just outside Alicante. Right on. So revisiting the old haunts. Yeah, so if you watch a lot, like I watch these all in a row when they're made, so they're like, oh, that's the one from two films ago. This is the one from last film. Oh, this is going to be in the next film. He used it at the same location. Probably recognizing props. Like, oh, that's the oh, same yeah. gun he used. Big in. time. It's especially outfits. Like, they, he reuses a lot of the same robes, pants, or uh, boots, and they're very stylized. Like, oh, there's the white robe with the dragon on it from this film. And, and, but it's so economical, and that's why I love it, because it's just like making home movies and using your stuff and carrying it from film to film and and hey why not if it works yeah. fucking why, why not use great it great outfits are great outfits yeah why why fucking spend more money on seriously shit? extra shit you know zero footprint I mean, yeah 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 there you go economical as well as uh he was a progressive guy he was ahead of his time <laughs> big time the original hipster filmmaker so uh Maybe we have a microwave oven yeah <laughs> um we have at 49 minute mark as we start having a couple predator shots i had mentioned above with uh kind of up in the trees and weird stuff and um one guy has hh on his back yeah what the hell is that about kidnapper Jesus. number three pablo it's weird i don't know if it's like the fashion of the shirt or what it's like and, these two and, weird h's and the the horizontal line of the h was blue yeah while the vertical ones were black I yeah it was weird it was like was more of a about. style I don't know if it was the style of that shirt or what because his name is pablo and his hh i was like trying to figure out almost looked like a helicopter landing thing or something like that design. Like I don't know. Hand, it's, like, it's like hand splattered on. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I didn't know what the hell that was. That, that was bizarre. Um, uh, and finally, an hour in, we see our first um, um, sailboat. There's always sailboats in Franco films. It took a long time. It's like all this body of water and all this other stuff. I'll uh, go over the list later. But yeah, it's like an hour in. The first sailboat shows up. See, I would not let my daughters watch this movie because right. if they did... The message they would come away with is if if you trespass on a, an abandoned sailboat and there's a naked lady on it, you can punch her out, and then when she wakes up, she will have sex with you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's all the Franco films, though. It's And, and there's a couple of scenes like that where he always has the— He's very progressive. Well, yeah. And uh, that's one thing it's, it's hard to say because he has that, uh, that mentality—or I don't know, I shouldn't say mentality, but a lot of his films push the message forward, too, of— 
a woman will resist because that's what she's told to and because of her religious upbringings. But then once she stops resisting, she'll enjoy it. And then it's like, oh, so that's always a really different way of thinking. And whether it's pro or con or yay or nay, there's still that's a very controversial subject. So and even in this, you see it with that scene. And then when he's carrying the blonde lady at the end, she's oh kicking and screaming. And then later on, she's just passed out. Like she finally gave in and she's yeah. accepting of it. And I was like, oh, here's this little yeah. hidden little thing in here. And he's doing it again. You know? It's very so, Catholic. Very Yeah, and that European. makes sense. You think about that because he's anti-Catholic because he's Spanish, but he's still very Catholic. Yeah. Way. So yeah, he's always fighting that deal. And it's like his own dragon that he's trying to fight every time or his own demon. Yeah, you can never run away from that upbringing, yeah. you know? So no, it's definitely, you definitely see that. And I, and going through his films, you see that and, and the books talk about it and that's a reoccurring thing in a lot of films. And it's troublesome with some ways he does it and times he does it comical and flip it and other times it's like, whoa, you're really kind of hard with it. So... Um, that's what makes it interesting. And it is. And it's it something more than just flat. About. Exactly. There's something to, to, dice, to digest and, uh, and uh, discuss as well, you know. It's definitely worth it. Um, so we have, uh, so yeah, so then we have three blondes in the film, which is crazy. You have. There are three? So they have. You know, so Al Cliver? Yeah. Are you counting Al no, Cliver? No, no, no. I'm talking oh, about Jesus. The, the kidnapped victim woman. Yeah. Okay. Then you have the blonde woman that is with the group that you see. And, yeah. the, and then the blonde woman on the boat. Oh, Because yeah, yeah, I forget about right. her. Yeah, because I right. thought that was the same person. I'm like, wait, yeah, you're where, right. Who's she? Yeah, where'd she come from? I know. She comes in partway through. And, oh, yeah, I'm part of the group. It's like, well, you weren't introduced or shown, and now you're this and that. The first shot, she's just topless in the, in the yeah, yeah. galley. And she has the gun, and he just one hit knocks her down. And, yeah. Oh, and he had some great line. Oh, he, he, oh shoot. Wait, I wrote it down because yeah, the yeah, line go was it. so funny. Um, he said... Will oh yeah, I had to knock her out. It's what I do. Oh yeah, and then he goes, "We'll watch over you when you sleep." She's like, "Oh, thank you." And then she oh just yeah, yeah, it. yeah. She just goes back to sleep. Yeah, on the top oh, of her. I'm so comfortable with these two sleazy men in here. I don't watch you go over. They might kill me or rape me when I'm yeah. sleeping. Or I'm geez. naked. I'll just go to sleep with these pricks on board. Huh? Literally, and then uh, so uh, uh, 66 minutes in, uh, we have um, Yule Sanders shows up. Now, Yul Sanders is in a, quite a few Franco films. He's in uh, Burning Up Inside. He's in uh, um, Cocktail Special, and he's in a few films of that period. He's the bald-headed tribal guy in this film that shows up later on. You know, you see him, and he's very odd. Is he like a low-rent Yul Brenner? Yeah, he changed his name to Yul Sanders because of Yul Brenner. That's why I look, because the bald head, I'm just like, Yul. I love that guy, Yul, Yul Sanders. Yeah. Hey, you could get him for a low-rent production of The King and I. There you go. Yeah, he's... Uh, uh, Claude Boisson is his real name, and that was he. Get, but yeah, he's so built as Claude Boisson in the first few films, and then he turned into uh, like Yule Sanders. That was his gimmick. I thought that was fucking pretty cool. Like there's him, and then there's um, the guy that was in porn. That's like the fake Burt Reynolds. Um, his name is um, uh, God damn it. He has, he's like a Greek guy. His name's um, oh oh, not not the big tall guy who played. Anthropophagus. No, no, no. That's George Eastman. Now this guy's name is um, oh, geez, it's like Coco or or something. And I'll, I'll have to add it to the end of the show. But yeah, it's funny. He's he's like the fake Burt Reynolds, and he even wore the fucking cowboy hat, with the feather, and the uh, the uh, uh, Smokey the Bandit. Oh, um, Sasha Gabor. Sasha I, I love that my mind knows these weird shit. Yeah, Jesus. Sasha Gabor is the guy's name, and, and he's like uh, Zsa Gabor. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you at home do Google search for Sha- Sasha Gabor, there's a few pictures wow. of him you'll find on Google search of 
him naked as the Burt Reynolds guy. He's in a few, but yeah, he's basically, hey, you like Burt Reynolds? We'll use you as this, you know. So, but yeah, so that's the magic of Yule Sanders, wow. mix of Colonel Sanders and Yule Yule, Yule Brenner. Here. Yeah. Finger licking good. <laughs> Literally, yeah. There's actually no no finger licking in this film. Last film had a lot of finger licking, but you know the uh, movie I saw behind before this was Tin Drum. The Tin. Oh Drum. wow, okay. Yeah. There was a lot of finger licking. That's in funny. That one. Well, uh, El, uh, the sex is crazy. The film before or two films before this, uh, El Sexo Loco. There's a sequence where they have this party and Lena's one of the dancers, and there's always a joke about uh, Lena's magic tongue. She always uses her tongue in the licking all this stuff. So in this. Film. She's uh, sucking on this guy's fingers, and everybody's like watching. I'm just like, it's just her sucking on fingers. Everybody acts like it's this amazing fucking show. It's like all you're doing is watching her suck on this guy's fingers, and you're just like, so stupid. (laughs) I guess, but they're really easily amused. But uh, yeah, so about the Cannibal Tribe, I I mentioned that some of the girls had uh, short afros, some had uh, feathered hair. Uh, They had makeup on. It was funny, Um, and you had a. um, a crazy makeup in the other cannibal film, which is quite different. I mentioned that before. Um, you have uh, three cannibal women always on screen. Usually, most were topless, and the other ones were uh, full nude. So it was like he had a lot of nudity in this film, which, which we had talked about earlier. Um, so it was very uh, pleasing for a Franco film that he didn't shy away from nudity, even doing in a genre as this, you know. And uh, yeah, the girls were all like models and stuff, and and a mix of real people and really good-looking models. So it was very interesting how they're all made up and stuff, you know. And he did the whole scene of like them in the waterfall and then the naked. So he showed the nudity in a lot of different ways, which was pretty pretty funny, you know. Look, I say one of the things about the nudity in, in Franco's films is it doesn't look like uh, people aren't having a good time. Oh yeah, no, most definitely, exactly. They're not. Like, yeah, yeah. Like you can tell, it's really icky when when you could just tell the directors making people do something that they don't want. You know, but most definitely, yeah. And that's and that's the thing. Even with my films, people always say, "Hey, everybody's look like they're having a good time and all that stuff." And that's one thing is like I always like that vibe because you could see movies of the past that are famous films and stuff where it was a bad production or troubled shoot and these people are just dragging through or you see stuff going wrong or whatever. But and if people have a good time, even like the John Waters stuff and other stuff, if everybody's happy and enjoying it and stuff, it's so much more enjoyable for the, the whole vibe, you know, of, of, of everything. So. Well, then you have shit like William Friedkin firing off guns. Yeah, exactly. Like with Linda that. Blair around. That's a good Linda point. Blair yeah. Still calls him a genius and everything like that. And her attitude is like, well, all these horrible things that he did on set, they made it a great performance. And I was working with a genius. I'm like, fuck right. that. William Friedkin's not a genius. I don't give a shit what anyone said. I mean, I mean, genius is like, uh, fuck. It's a stupidest. It's the stupidest yeah. word in the world, and, and it's usually used as, like, a shield from any sort of, uh, you know, responsibility. Like, Polanski. Right. No, he's a genius. Let him go to France and keep making movies. No, he's not a fucking genius. He made some good right. movies, but that doesn't make him a fucking genius. No, and that's the same thing with Kubrick. Like, I, that's yeah, thing, I'm not... I'm with you. I'm not... When I was younger, I thought it was cool. When I was getting older, I'm like, you don't need to do fucking no. five days on one scene no. or, or a thousand takes. It's just so fucking stupid. Okay, close the door. Okay, close the door again. Now you do that 80 times in a row of having to close the door. It's just such yeah. excessive and just wait. Like, if you don't know what you want and you don't see it, like, and I used to think that doing one or two shots of a scene or what I want, because I usually know I have a practice shot and sometimes you get on the first shot or other time, or I'll take and on the second take, I'll usually do it, and then I'll have to do one for safety. And usually, I always know the one I use. But and other directors I had heard, oh yeah, they usually do about two or three takes, and this and that. And I'm like, wait, hey, good, perfect. That's uh, um, 
Clint Eastwood's that way. He'll only do one or two takes of each thing and just go to the next thing, go to the next thing, and, so, and move on. And, and that's a good way. But, yeah, just that excessive, just fucking taking your time so much. It's just like, dude, you, you're not respecting everybody else, and, and, and you want to make people enjoy. You don't want to just draw all the energy out of them and just suck the life out of them. That's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, it sounds like just uh, an ego trip. You it know? is, it is. It's just like someone's ego trip. Yeah, and they're like milking the system and just taking all, I don't know, just, especially when it's your own money and your own shit, you're, you're more, you know, because people are helping everybody out and, you, and you're uh, respectful of people's time and energy and stuff. You're not just like, okay, I hired you, now I can do whatever I fucking want with you. And it's just like, that's just meat, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's crazy. Well, then you, I don't know if you saw, there's a documentary about uh, the, this fellow who was uh, Kubrick's driver, and he was like his... Oh, I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it, yeah, I know you're talking about. Oh my God, it's just like the bottom, you know, it, it's like, a, just just like, it's a total top-bottom kind of relationship, where yeah. at any moment, like at 3 a.m., Stanley Kubrick would tell him, I need this, he would go get him that, yeah. you know what I mean? I'd be like, I don't give a fuck if it's... Jesus Christ! If you're asking yeah, exactly. me at 3 a.m. when yeah, I'm just, sleeping yeah. after a long day, sorry, dude. Yeah, you should have prepared for that yesterday yeah. when I was here, and and that's your own fault for being not prepared. Or, yeah. And if you have a spur of moment thing, that's fine. But there's other yeah. shit you can do. To do yourself. Get you by. Yeah. Wait a few. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Jesus. I know that's dumb. Um, speaking of cheap, which I liked, uh, when the uh, cannibal monster got onto the boat and he was killing the helicopter pilot. He basically just twisted his neck, and he heard the click, 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 oh, click dude, sound. It was like gears. Yeah, it was just a real basic artificial clicking sound. But I'm like, well, it's just snapping his neck, but it was very cheap. But I really like, enjoyed it. I know? like that, too. Yeah. yeah. That, really, that really stuck out. That was awesome. Um, and then uh, what else we have? Uh, I liked uh, – we had um, uh, close-up of the guts when uh, he went after the uh, woman on the boat. When you ate her, you seen this like close-up shot of white intra. I don't know what it was. Like so quick, I don't know if it was maggots or guts or some close-up shot of some meat or something he, he had shot. Uh, and then we have uh, the two kidnappers see. Uh, uh, oh yeah, the two kidnappers see the kidnapped victim with three of the cannibals. So the scene where he's like uh, watching the girls bathe the before the guy falls onto the bamboo shoots. They're like watching the girls in the in the uh, waterfall, and that's just like them oogling them as we are viewers are watching them as well. Like, oh right, you know. They're like, he's like, shut up, you know. And he's like watching these girls bathe, and it's a very funny scene, B- basic stuff, the old voyeurism. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, the audience is complicit. Exactly, they just follow along. Uh, and the three women all uh, oil her up for the victim. It's like totally unnecessary. Oh She's like they're like oiling her up and just getting her all shine. I was laughing. I, was I, totally... I loved it when she started screaming and flipping out once they put the herbs and the flowers on. Yeah, her. exactly. All the stems and shit. It's like no. F- At first, I was like, oh, they're putting flowers on. I'm like, wait, they're more like stems and yeah. weird fucking seeds. Like you're talking about. And it's funny. Um, and uh, and then also I, la- I laughed at the- there's a shot remind me of uh, so in the the big monster sees her there and, and takes her away and he's carrying her. There's a shot where he's kind of like Franco kind of uh, frames him standing with like this jungle area and he's kind of standing there. And I thought, welcome to Disneyland. This is the jungle cruise. It was just like such a fucking cheesy thing. Like, like what if you went to Disneyland? Like, Hey, put some pants on that guy. Get him out of here. Just oh like God. Frank all of a sudden shot that scene at the, at the, at the jungle cruise or something. It's that whole Disney village area. Reminded me of that with all those things, you know? That would be great. <laughs> that would be a fun Disneyland. Yeah, the naked monster and the victim. Sort of Franco land. You get in there and you yeah. got vampires just yeah, jumping be, on yeah. the jock. Exactly. You have like the uh, uh, Vampiros Lesbos ride. You can have the erotic rites of Frankenstein ride. You can have the fucking uh, 
Sadist Notre Dame. We could shoot so many stuff. It would be awesome. Yeah, you could have like a jazz club in there. Yeah. There's a show where a lady, you know, gets a Have a strip cigar. club. Have a little yeah. strip club there yeah. you can watch. It would act stuff. Yeah. And watch, yeah. Let's, hmm. Let's, let's, let's. let's I know. Let's, yeah, let's, let's make our basement. Uh, let's market partners. Basement. Partners yeah. in a business venture here. And he's low budget, so you could do it low budget yeah. style. People wouldn't think it's like, you know, let's make it like star tours or somewhere it's all oh, like yeah. you know billions and billions of dollars we do it in cambodia where nobody gives a <laughs> there you go sky's the limit we can get away with anything or a uh, uh, placerville which is pretty close oh yeah <laughs> same, thing. same thing really um so uh oh yeah there's a shot too i liked of uh where the the al cliver's climbing the cliff and <laughs> they tilted the camera sideways yeah so he's climbing the cliff <laughs> like shit and then you see, it's almost like a very symbolic shot of the naked black guy with this big dick hanging, and Al Cliver's like looking up, and he's yeah. dangling, and he's holding the woman. Is like, I'm mightier than you, and it's like the the scale. I was laughing. I was like, okay, you know, no, that was great. And he's standing on his foot and trying to stomp him and stuff, you know. No, but did you notice that there, where he's climbing up the face of the mountain? And I was like, holy shit, this is a serious stunt. But then I noticed that all the foliage was just sticking. Okay, I have to look that second. Out. Okay, they just tilted that. Camera, oh, Batman style, yeah, the old, and, and yeah, he, and his hair too it wasn't like okay good call good back. call it was just like yeah falling to the side that's funny like long and floppy yeah 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 it goes off to the side yeah totally totally that's that so great. funny that was, i, I didn't catch that. That, that that's totally cool I'll, I'll have to watch that back um yeah so then he gets up on the mountain and then he start wrestling some you know in wrestling holds i was laughing he puts him in a full nelson first I'm like wow he's like doing wrestling holds the guy's like i'm going to beat you i'm i know these stuff so he put him in the full nelson and he breaks the hold and then they do a couple punches back and forth and then he gives him a, a monkey flip, which is funny, like drops back to his back and puts his legs in, which is an old wrestling term. And it's based off of monkeys playing with each other, a, a, a monkey flip, like the monkeys flipping over each other. So that was a monkey flip. And he throws the guy up over the thing and down the cliff, which I was laughing because he uses wrestling to like beat this guy. You know, it's just very odd, especially moves, you know, and that was right in my ballpark. I put big stars, I'm like, yeah, Franco's using wrestling moves, you know. Well, that scene made me really nervous because the, the fellow playing the demon, he had that uh, eye appliance on. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy can't see. And they're up on this high rock. Yeah. And they're like actually jumping around and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to fall off. Yeah, well, Franco talks about the interview. He said they're basically ping pong balls that he cut in half and he drilled a little teeny hole so the guy could look out. Okay. And that's basically all it was, was just a little teeny hole Ooh. to be able to see. But still, that's, still. yeah, very limited. Yeah, no, definitely. And there's a weird scene where he kills one of the sacrifice victims, and his eye is, like, missing or it's bleeding or something. I don't know if it's from oh, her yeah. head because she has that wound. She has the, oh, the blonde lady that's chained up, and she takes the rock, and then she's fighting the guy, and, and she has that big wound on her head, and one of his eyes is bleeding. I don't know if it's from her blood splashing onto him or if one of his, because it looks like one of the ping pong balls is missing in that scene. It's like a little indentation or it's like a crevice or whatever you know yeah there, it, see, it seemed like because I remember there was a shot of like the blood like this jet of the blood yeah. going right maybe it knocked the pink that's the pink probably what it was yeah I kind of looked away and said doing something so I might have missed that but yeah so that's probably why because I looked at it again I was like how does that make sense did it like absorb into her skin or did it fall off or or did it just a, a blooper they just kept it in that's probably what it was and then uh, finally I, I laughed um, that when they saved the woman the naked jungle woman they are the one that they're searching for where that's the kidnap victim and everything. When they bring her back onto the boat, she's naked and stuff. So they dress her in just a pair of black uh, uh, bikini bottoms and no top. Just no she's top. just, yeah. It has like this little dragon or some cool little symbol on the thing. I was like, oh, that's nice. You don't give her a robe or a shirt or anything. Just like, here, put these bottoms on and just chill out on the boat, you know? These 
liberal Euro babes. They're just like, they don't need a top. Yeah, exactly. They spend most of their time on the Riviera. Come on. Yeah, but it was funny. Um, a little different times. Okay, so now I'm going to go through the Franco list real quick, uh, and then we'll wrap up with any last notes we have. Um, okay, so Franco list. Um, actually, first let me ask you, is there any other notes that you made on the film that we didn't maybe hit on or oh, anything? Golly. It's funny. Because I like when people put work in, I always want to let them, you know. Well, you know, I, I'm really impressed that uh, Clifford Brown uh, oh, yeah, again. died at the age of 25 uh, and posthumously several jazz standards, you know, came out to his name. Uh, he was on, on on top of all that. He directed like 200 <laughs> horror exploitation See, sex and now pictures. Clifford Brown, I actually want to learn about him because I know he was a jazz musician that Frankel liked and he uses his name all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've never listened to any of his pieces, and I didn't know that he died really young and stuff. So that's that's yeah, really he died interesting. in a car accident in twenty five. Wow, and he's amazing. He's amazing. Check him out. You'd love him. Yeah, he You'd was what him. like the fifties, I think, or sixties, yeah. maybe something. Yeah, like I that? think he okay. died in like fifty three or fifty six. Wow. Okay, good. Like I'll, I'll, I'll check him out. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But um, see, I saw Mach one in there. There was a Mach one in there. Some nice Afghan oh, nice. hounds. Oh yeah. Um, I saw my character from Emmanuel in Sin City in there, and he had a see-through phone. Just the guy, you know what I mean? He had the, his, remember, he had a see-through phone? It was pretty awesome. Okay, I'll have to go back and look at that again. I'll, to, I'll laugh. There was a Michael Moriarty lookalike. I forgot who that guy was, but he was sort of the bad guy, and then he died, and he had that great line. He's all, oh, yeah, he was the helicopter pilot. Or, yeah, yeah, the other kidnapper guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's really good. Flowers, shit. You know, yeah. I love that he guy. almost got like some weird kind of like jungle fever kind of uh, yeah. sickness. He's like laying in the thing, all making noises and shit in the, yeah. in the thing earlier. Yeah, really tripping out. And yeah. they're like watching him, like, what's this he dude doing? He's like, jungle. I don't take orders from nobody anymore. Yeah, he's just like, whoa, dude. No, he's good. Uh, there's a, a sickle nipple scene with a sickle in, nip, in the nipple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Okay, so he says he's going to cut out a piece of her to, to send back her, but like. I don't think he did anything to her no. because you see her and she's fine. She don't have any blue. Nothing's cut off. Or, oh, yeah, it was bizarre. Oh. She was fully intact at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. I was like, what the fuck did he cut her? Where did that pound of flesh come Exactly. From? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of looking up at the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. The Nam flashback was hilarious. I really enjoyed that. And, and, and when, the, uh, when the guy's having his flashback, he says, I wasn't really expecting any of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is more than I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, so it's, so it's like his deer hunter scene or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think we covered, uh, uh, <laughs> I put authentic tribal dancing, ha, 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 Oh, yeah, I know, I was laughing, that one girl was like, uh, okay, yeah, good, good call. There was one where the, the main lady's being abducted and taken away, and the lady's like laying on her back, and she's like doing like a, a humping the sky move, where she has her feet on the ground, she's like humping up and down yeah. and writhing on the ground, and, and doing the shaking the hands, and almost just doing a stripper moves basically on the on the ground which is really nice exactly but it's it nice that they had the actual mat down they didn't make him do it on the on the bare dirt he's like okay let's put this little rug or whatever down this little yeah, mat he cares you know? about his actors yeah that's just really nice very respectful you should yeah that shows a good director so alright so uh, Franco List uh, number one uh, Body of Water check uh, number two Sailboat or Boats yeah just one boat in this it's a sailboat not a steamship or anything so got that on there Number four, palm trees. Check. Definitely lots of palm trees in this film, which goes along with number five, jungle sound effects. Wall-to-wall jungle sound effects in this. Number six, chained up person. Yes, we have the main girl, which is chained up, which is a perfect Franco vision of the chains and everything. It's like, that's a chained up person. And then also the second kidnapper woman, the guy chains her up where she has the rock. So there's, And then, of course, the people not chained up but tied up on this 
on the poles are carrying him to the thing and, and all that. So there's a lot of chained up people in this film, which is a common Franco uh, trope there. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. Yeah, I mentioned that uh, with the tribal scenes of doing that that takes the place. And also club scenes dancing. We have scenes where all the tribe people, men and women, are all dancing, having a good time, and, and, and setting up before the individual stripping scene. Well, not stripping because they're already nude, but there's more festive kind of uh, set of people, couples dancing in a club. They're, everybody's there by the huts and everything. So... Uh, number nine, jazz music. A little bit. Uh, this didn't have as much jazz as like other kind of uh, piano and organ. Really good, really good soundtrack on this. I liked it. It was very, uh, like I mentioned, soundscapey. I liked. They mentioned it was kind of um, Pink Floydish, like early Pink Floyd, where there's a lot of moaning and sounds and bells and weird kind of just like a very trippy kind of a you know '60s style, even done in 1980, which is kind of cool, you know. Kind of a um Guma or some style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and number ten, excessive zooms. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of zooms, and then zooming in and zooming out, and uh, out of focus shots. Unfortunately, some, of course, were done on purpose with the eyes, but there were some that were just out of focus long shots. Uh, number twelve, mirror shots. There's a really cool mirror shot uh, where the lady's in the tub, and there's all these mirrors all around her, the whole wall, all these little individual glass mirrors around her. That was uh, the main one, and it's just that one. Uh, 13 mind control themes. I didn't mark that down. Um, I'd say no. I mean, there's the tribal stuff, but nobody's under hypnosis or nobody's, you know, I mean, they worship a, a monster, but I guess that could be mind control, but I don't know. Uh, 14 magic tongue scenes. That's negative. Uh, number 15 red lights. There's no red lights in this film. Uh, number 16 sheepskin rug. There is a sheepskin rug. Uh, when the, the main actress comes home in the beginning her dog is sitting on the sheepskin rug and she talks to it for a second and and, uh, and Franco films him um, um, licking himself which is funny he shows the dog with his leg up and lick itself and she walks into the other room so oh, there's a sheepskin rug and I took a pause and took a picture of it I think I missed the rug because I was too busy looking at the dog licking it <laughs> exactly you're like wow the sex scene already wow oh. look that's impressive uh, and uh, there's the no master sticks coming out of the <laughs> red, red rocket style uh no masturbation in this film. Um, Fuck. I know, I didn't catch that. Number 17, uh, no, there's no mad scientist or no servant. Uh, 18, fish tank shots, that's a negative. Number 19, talking parrot or talking animals, nothing in this film. Uh, number 20, end credits, yes or no, yes, there is. Uh, 21, handwritten notes. Yeah, there's a handwritten um, envelope, like the um, the hostage one where they give it to the filmmaker and you see the picture of Marilyn Monroe from the Playboy pose with another woman that's posed in that same shot. They gave him this letter with it's all handwritten to the guy's address from the kidnappers. But you could tell that's something a handwritten prop made for the film. Uh, 22, spiral staircase shots. None in this one. Uh, 23, inept cops. Uh, no, there's inept kidnappers and inept people, but no cops per se. Uh, 14, belly chains. No, just chains around people chained up, but no actual belly chains. That's more of the 70s influence, I think. Uh, 25, kinks. Yeah, there's uh, voyeurism in here, the lady watching the guy get it on. There's uh, abduction. There's, uh, what else is there? There's, uh, uh, well, I'd definitely say the whole trope of uh, the <clears throat> the virile black man yeah. taking the, the white oh, woman. Yeah. You know, cuckolding or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I mean, guy that's... watching and not doing anything about it. Yeah, very true. That's actually that's a good point. 
that going on. Uh, so yeah, there's a little bit of that. Uh, 26 uh, great headboards. No, there's actually no, no headboards in this film. Everybody's pretty much in the huts and stuff, so there's really no no case of headboards. No head either. Exactly. Uh, number 27, Fear or Desire. Uh, what, what is your opinion on this? Is this a film about fear or a film about desire? Fuck. Well, I mean, or both. Fear, I mean, the fear of the demon god demon thing. Yeah, it's both because they they fear the the demon and their and their culture is they worship this thing because they're in fear because if they sacrifice then 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 they're just like any Christian thing you 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 pray your deity and if you're good your deity won't harm you you know whatever religion you believe but that's one of the main things and so there's that compared with the desire of the filmmaker desires this woman that's his actress and she's worth a lot of money so he desires to get her back so there's desire of a commercial product against the fear. So I guess it's maybe half and half. There's probably both in this one. Yeah, the the desire also. Um, you know, I, there was that one scene where they talked about how uh, the tribe favors lighter skin. Yeah. You know? So it's like this desire. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. White. Yeah. Another, you know, another, another, you know. Yeah, because there's a scene where that lady's laying there the and the lady's like looking at her hair. And you know? she's, she's like stunning yeah. it like, wow, look at it. Like it's some, you know, treasure or something. Uh, okay, 28, acoustic guitar player. No, there's none in that oh. scene. And finally, 29, reading a book scene. No, there's no scene of anybody reading a book or sitting in bed reading a book or whatever. But... This was not a literate bunch. Yeah, These exactly. Kidnappers. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, almost definitely. Reading so. Ulysses by Joyce. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's uh, he does comic books. He does um, a lot of good novels and a lot of other stuff. So. Yeah, it works out pretty good. So, Alrighty, well, yeah, no, this was... Uh, I would recommend this film. I mean, it's not my top 20 Franco films or nothing, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's a fun serial jungle uh, adventure. It's it's an actual movie. You know, it's it's entertaining. It's got a storyline. It's pretty. It's more coherent to follow than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be more slapdashish, and you seem like from everything I read, it's like oh, you need to be really drunk or high to like this movie, and it's just so bizarre. And and it talks about how Cannibals was more making fun of the genre, and this is more of a bizarre trip inside of that film you know but uh you know i didn't think it was that bizarre in my opinion maybe it's just because i like these type of films so it wasn't anything shocking to me um but uh yeah no i, th- I thought it was fun i i fucking enjoyed it yeah it was really entertaining a, a nice little romp you know nothing too you know heavy or or yeah. difficult to digest but very entertaining a lot of good imagery you know that kind of sticks with you yeah no it's good stuff and actually part of me thought about um, writing a remake to this, I was like, oh, I think I can remake this. Just certain th- stuff. I'm like, oh, it looks like something I do. Something I do this, I do that. So, yeah, I, I was Maybe always like that. 30 or 40 years, Jason. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe the 30. pendulum swings back. Yeah, well, my, my backyard, though, can pass for some of these jungles. So that's, right. that's the first thing I was looking at. I was like, okay, I can film that in my backyard. Okay, I, I can like film that it. in my backyard. Yeah, I was already getting ideas. So, uh, yeah, so I'd recommend uh, Devil Hunter uh, if you're into uh, cannibal films or fun, uh, you know, cannibals attack the society that doesn't want them there you know i appreciated the lack of animal cruelty yes that was a good nice. call oh one thing i didn't mention that i really cracked up now that we're at the end yeah, the yeah. very first scene I, I just loved it where there's this white lady riding on top of the car and her oh, arms yeah. are Worship outstretched me. Yeah. and the world is mine and she's like yeah and then the reporters are talking to her and then she's all I have no opinion on men. I love them all. <laughs> you know, right. that just, and then just having her abducted and run through the mud and demon, you know, it's yeah, like yeah, she yeah. got, I think she got a, she, 
she got an education. Yeah, yeah, she kind of saw the other side of life. Ursula you know? Fellner got an education. Nice. There you go. I think that's good. That's a good uh, end end sentence on this. Ursula Fellner got an education. So, with that, I say, buenas noches.